Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. My name is Ivory, and you are tuned in to the Embracing Neurodiversity podcast, where I share my personal journey of embracing and enhancing the experience of my amazing son, who is on the spectrum. Through this journey, I've discovered a lot about myself and continue to grow every day. My goal is to provide you with some useful insights and stories that will inspire you in your own parenting journey. Thank you for tuning in. Everybody, welcome back. Per usual, thank you for always choosing to return and listen. Please, 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 if you are receiving information that is useful and helpful to you in any way or could be useful or helpful to someone else, please share, please like, please subscribe. All of these things are new and awkward for me to say transparently because I um, am still getting adjusted to being a YouTuber or making YouTube videos, whatever the case may be. But I would love your continued support. So please share, please like, and subscribe. I took a little bit of a hiatus, I I guess I would say. Like there was winter break and then new year. Happy new year, by the way, if you haven't watched any of my videos since then. But after maybe like a week or two of after New Year's, the New Year started, I had just kind of like took a break from doing my content for the most part and just like obviously works my, my full-time job and was parenting my son Khalil, but I was just getting a little bit of like fatigue from not this work, but in general, like just this cyclical pace of being a parent working my full-time job and then building my business right it can become overwhelming and I am really really clear and I speak about this a lot on this platform that your number one priority should be yourself and your health your mental health your physical health your emotional health, and although this is really important to me and I'm really passionate about it and I enjoy doing it, for the most part, I never want to do anything that is going to impact me emotionally, physically, mentally, or I don't want to add to it. There's enough things that you know, we all experience in our lives without adding on the extra responsibility of building a business and a brand that can stress us out right and so I took a pause on recording for that reason because I just wanted to make sure that I was good because if I'm not good my son is not good and nothing else can be good and so I was practicing what I try to preach often which is to Put yourself first. Take a break when you need to. It is completely okay. I mean, I want to remain consistent and I want to continue to be an advocate for parents of children on the spectrum or parents who are raising children who are neurodiverse for multiple reasons. I'm, I'm passionate about being an advocate in that space, but nothing is at the cost of your own mental, physical, and emotional health. But of course, like most of my topics, I decided to use a lesson from that to discuss today this idea of advocacy fatigue 
And I wanted to talk about that because I never want, first two reasons, I want to acknowledge to parents of children on the spectrum of neurodiverse children that while advocacy is essential and paramount and probably the primary skill that you will need, not, maybe not the number one, but it's close to, advocacy is, is, is high on the priority list as a skill that you must have when you are raising a child on the spectrum. But I also want to acknowledge and name that it can be incredibly exhausting. It can be overwhelming. It can be frustrating. It could be depressing. It can be, it can make you angry. It is a skill that doesn't come easy to everyone. And it's a skill that must be built over time. And it challenges your own comfort zone sometimes. And But the core of being tired of advocating is just the idea that you have to, right? Like, it's exhausting in a world in which the only reason why having to advocate exists is because we live in a world where our needs and our perspective aren't always acknowledged, heard, or prioritized, right? And particularly if you are from a marginalized community, particularly if you have um, a particular condition that requires more support, right? And so it's exhausting on top of everything else. And I I really want to talk about that because there are multiple ways in which parents approach parenting their child who is neurodiverse, right? There are multiple ways in which parents approach advocating for their child who is neurodiverse. There is There are parents who are reluctant and hesitant. There are parents who are enthusiastic and jump right in. And there are parents who are graceful about it and are, are embracing the process but are choosing to balance what it looks like to advocate, right? And I think that sometimes we can be all three of those things in different phases of our parenting journey. Sometimes we stay in one phase. Sometimes we're reluctant for a long period of time. I do not recommend that. It's really important that our children have consistent advocacy. And as I've mentioned in past podcasts, parents are can be the most powerful advocate, but you know, it's exhausting and it's frustrating and you don't always have the skills and you don't always feel heard or trusted by those in which you are advocating to for your child. So sometimes you're reluctant or you opt out. That is a natural human instinct, right? You have parents who are incredibly exuberant, jump right in, and can sometimes be aggressive about their advocacy. And these are not judgment statements. This is acknowledging the forms of advocacy that show up in us all. And oftentimes that that, that form of that exuberant, excited advocacy comes from one or two places. One, you do have people in the world who are naturally altruistic and want to see society become a better version of itself, right? In which it is accepting of all people. And so you have people who are innately passionate about 
the world being a better place. And so they're advocating and they aren't always aware or they they uh, dismiss the exhaustion that comes with that or they deprioritize the, the exhaustion that comes with that because they're so passionate about their, their advocacy, right? But those that that also has an element of being unhealthy as well, which I'll touch on in a, in a minute. And then you have your parents who, the only way I can truly describe it is, as I've mentioned, being graceful about your advocacy. And for me, grace is this balance of being consistent, being clear, asking questions, but understanding that we all are really, all of us in this world are really trying to figure it out and do our best every day. And no one truly is an enemy, but when someone presents themselves as being resistant or dismissive of you or your child's needs, then you address that accordingly and sternly and assertively, right? And so grace to me in advocacy is about that balance, right? And again, these require specific skill sets. The primary skill set that you need when you are advocating for your child is knowledge, right? Which is why my past podcast episode was about the ways that you can educate yourself because when you have the when you have the information, when you have the language to speak to, it's unfortunate. It's not fair, but this is the reality. When you have the language to speak to your child's needs and your desired outcome, you will be able to, you increase the likelihood of being heard more, to be taken seriously more, and to get results. Because people respect those who are knowledgeable, right? And it, again, is an unfortunate place because we should all be respected regardless of our level of knowledge in any field, but particularly as autism parents, right? Because no one signed up to be a parent of a child on the spectrum. So you don't automatically come with the knowledge. You have to gain the knowledge and that takes time. So in having that skill and having that primary skill of knowledge to advocate, you use it to First, relate to the experience of those in which you are advocating to, and and that shows up in a myriad of ways. You're advocating for your child with family members. You're advocating for your child with healthcare professionals, with education professionals, with their therapists. This is why this skill is important because advocacy, it, it shows up every day in subtle ways, in more clear ways, in informal ways or formal ways, right? And so for me, what an example of that is a subtle advocacy is is having a family gathering and someone probably makes a comment about your child or tries to redirect your child in a way that is not supportive of your child and who they are. That is an informal, subtle opportunity to advocate for your child, right? And then you have to find a way to do it in which you are being graceful, but you are being very clear about the expectation that you have for what you want, how you want this person to 
speak to your child and or treat your child. So another part of advocacy is being very clear about the outcome that you're looking for and why. Because it you can look at it as fortunate or unfortunate, wherever the case may be. I see it as fortunate because, you know, an educator, but in advocating you for your child, you are also indirectly teaching others about your experience as a parent and your child's experience, right? And so what that has what that should look like in practice is when someone says or does something that is not supportive of your child, you find a very tactful way to say to ask them not to do that and why that is not helpful for your child, right? And so it's twofold in that way. And even in speaking about it, I'm thinking about the people who probably before having a child did not even have the skill set to advocate for themselves. And so now they're expected to have the confidence and the skill set and the knowledge to advocate for their child. These things are incredibly difficult. They are not easy to do and it requires a lot of guts. It requires a level and of desire to ensure that you and your child or children, if you have multiple kids who have special needs, it requires that you like shift who you fundamentally are if this is not a natural state for you, right? And as I've said on multiple episodes, don't feel like you have to do it alone. Don't feel like you have to be it a moderator advocate by yourself. Like that's that's not sustainable, number one. But also if you don't have the skill set to do it, you will burn out. And so this journey of parenting, particularly in this case, parenting neurodiverse children is a ongoing journey and it requires you to be to pace yourself right and to get the support that you need and so when it comes to the advocacy piece seek out the coaching seek out the tools on how to better advocate for your child asking family and friends who have that same experience reach out to me so that I can help talk you through that thankfully for me before I had my son and knew that he had autism I was an educator I was a parent advocate I worked in communities and so I was trained on how to advocate for students for colleagues that I managed and for parents who needed that right and also when I reflect back on my own upbringing that was rooted in a lot of barriers and lack of resources I had to learn early on how to advocate for myself and so those skills I I took and transferred over to parenting my son so much of it came quite naturally for me but I have learned very quickly that it is something that is not natural for every parent who is raising a neurodiverse child and I will I want to be able to support parents because it is fundamental to the experience that you advocate for your child because as I've mentioned before in advocating for your child you're teaching them how to one day advocate for themselves right however I do want to go back to while we know the importance 
why it is incredibly hard. And particularly, it's hard for women of color, for single parents, because the more you are not, you don't fit the profile of what one in society deems to be trustworthy or valuable, the less likely it is that people hear you, right? Not to mention when you think about like stature and bravado, like all of these things come into place when it comes to advocacy and, and being actually heard. And I, and for me, one of the reasons why I am very, very passionate about being educated and, and gaining knowledge and articulating myself very clearly when it comes to advocating for my child is because I'm clear that many people have made assumptions about what I know, what I don't know, and who I am based on my identity before I even have been able to speak, right? And so it's less about proving to others, but more about making it clear who you are and what your expectations are when it comes to yourself and your child. But it is scary because you're going up against forces, systems, people's beliefs, people's values. It is exhausting because you're reminded of the inequities in the world. It is depressing because you're reminded that your child has special needs and needs need additional supports in order to thrive and when they don't exist you're you become angry about that so advocacy oftentimes reminds you of all of the pain points that come with this this parenting of neurodiverse children journey and i want to acknowledge that and i want to name that and i want to encourage you to stay the course but take a break when it's necessary when you know that in formal settings when there's time to advocate whether it is an IEP meeting or a doctor's appointment or spaces in which you're you are looking for a specific outcome for your child days before incorporates more self-care into your life so that you are equipped and ready to enter those spaces and advocate right like that is going to be essential like get into your meditation bag your prayer bag your workout bag whatever it is that you do to feel good and whole and safe double that triple that before the appointment when it's when the advocacy comes but then also as i mentioned with the informal advocacy that happens day to day it can be exhausting too which is why a regular routine of self-care is important and i also want to acknowledge that it can be exhausting to also sometimes have to put yourself first right like in terms of incorporating self-care tools so sometimes it's extra sleep Sometimes it's taking an extra hour or two to watch your favorite TV show, right? And just get your get yourself in a mental space where you are ready and equipped to advocate. That is how you balance the fatigue. But I am clear and I want to name that it is 
hard and it is exhausting and sometimes it sucks. But we are built for this and you can do it with grace. Continue to build knowledge. Continue to find the language to speak to. If you don't have the language to speak to, reach out to someone who does and get the support and coaching. Watch my video to get the support and coaching. I have a starter kit with links and scripts on how to speak to your schools and healthcare professionals and therapists about the needs and the outcomes that you are looking for when it when it comes to your child thriving, right? Also, I'll leave with this. I want to name that there is also important to prioritize self-advocacy for yourself, right? Even when it comes to your child, if you need a moment, you need a break, and, and you cannot right now, like, when it comes to being all in with your child, it's okay to say that sometimes, right? Or when you need support or you need a family member that you trust to be with your child for a while so you can get a couple of hours of break. That's self-advocacy, too, that you want to incorporate into your experience as a parent raising a child who is neurodiverse. These things are incredibly hard, but you deserve, first of all, your voice matters, and you deserve to use it in ways that will impact your child and yourself positively gain this knowledge, gain the skill set, and incorporate self-care so that you can be sustainable in this. Until next time, take care.